Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonik Chonko, and welcome to the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Today's guest is Joe Cerulli, the owner of Gainesville Health and Fitness, who joins the podcast to discuss overcoming hiring and staffing challenges. We talk about how to build a great reputation in a community, how to maximize your team to do more with less, tips for hiring Gen Z, and much more. Enjoy. Hello, Rachel. Hi, Joe. Are you, how's mommy doing? Good. <laughs> yep, really good. That's great. I've got an easy baby, so that helps. That's super. Yeah. How, how have you been? Good, real good. Just working on a whole bunch of projects, but it's all it's all good. Good. It's good to see you. It's good to see you too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you in May too. I'm looking forward to seeing you too. Yeah, just plan to kind of talk through a few questions on hiring and staffing, if that sounds good. Yeah, of course. Go ahead and jump in. No, well, I wanted to talk to you because I know a lot of clubs are reporting hiring and staffing challenges still. And so I was curious, why why do you think that that is? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, but obviously it's not just a health club industry issue, it's an issue everywhere. I I don't know if they're if people are just trying to find where can I get the best deal, who's gonna pay me the most, those kind of things. And I learned quite a few months ago I don't want those people. Who are just looking for that, but it just seems to be an issue all the way around. I don't, I don't know if how much uh, the pandemic screwed people up, uh, but we know it did. <laughs> we know it did screw them up, and um, I just, um, I don't know. But I, as I told my staff in our meetings on Monday, even though we're doing pretty well staffing wise, we had like, like everybody, there was just like it wasn't good. And the people who were applying, they never passed. Uh, for, for example, you know, I, we'd have 50 people apply and there's a process they have to go through to get to the next level, even after applying. And um, <laughs> I remember we'd go back to, I don't know, December, January. I say, how many passed? They go eight out of 50. Wow. I said to my marketing team, I go, look at, you got all this stuff out there, basically the help wanted stuff. Just like anything in business, now we're competing with everybody else who's in the help wanted category. And everybody was, right? And I said, okay, we're going to change it. And we changed it to not hiring. And then it was dot, 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 just anybody. And we changed everything to be that. And then I'd say, okay, out of the last 50 applicants, how many did you pass on? They say 36. So when they realized that we weren't dealing with money, we weren't going to pay you more money than what we, I said, this is what we pay. And um, just like all businesses, especially, I mean, in typically more of the blue states, um, but even Florida passed it where the minimum wage goes up a buck every year. And even for my organization, first of all, it went from not that we had anybody at the minimum wage but it went from the minimum wage of like $8.25 to $10, okay? Mm-hmm. Then it went to $11, $12. September, it goes to $13. Every time, even for my size business, every time it goes up $1, my payroll goes up about $100,000, all right. right? And so you think about it, in five years, it'll be half a million dollars my payroll has gone up. So what does that cause you to do? finding out new ways of raising your rates, you know, the ways you can change to adjust. And every year I adjust it. So we bring up, bring in a minimum of a hundred thousand more dollars a year 
you know, based on our on our, our sales. So what happened? I don't know. But as I was telling you on the meeting on Monday, I said, here's the deal. We have to accept the fact that something has changed as far as people working. So we have to figure out what are the things that we need to do to be able to manage it with less people. So I said, what we have to take is every department and figure out what the most critical thing is, the most critical thing, not the next five critical, one. So, you know, obviously I said to him, look at, hey, the cleanliness of the facilities is massive, right? It has to be clean. The maintenance of the equipment has to be perfect. So let me just hone in on that. Now we need to figure out what is the biggest issue with the housekeeping staff? What is the biggest issue that we face? So when I met with them, I said, look, it, I know we can't replace people scrubbing showers and, and vacuuming floors. I know we can't change that. But there's other issues. I had something in my mind. I wanted to see if they concurred with it. I said, what do you think is the biggest issue that we face? As mundane as think, dust the dust that comes into a club. And I said, okay, there's a solution to that. I mean, I know one of the solutions and that is we bring in a company that cleans out all of the ducts. Now, what's the thing with that? I mean, in my one club, it's about $60,000 to clean out the vents. So I said, but the truth is, if it saves us hours and hours every day, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, is it worth doing? And the answer is yes. So now we're getting different companies to give us bids on cleaning out all of the the ducts. Then the the person who's ahead of my housekeeping says, Joe, we can also change all the filters that we use when people walk in the door and the filtration system we have coming in. What did I tell them? Do it. Just do it to get it done. Then it's department by department. What is the most critical issue? Let's figure out how to solve that most critical issue. So deal with less people, you know, uh, whether it's using technology, but see the difference with the way I want to run a business. I don't want to make it so everything is technology and there's not human beings involved. That's not who we are. So we have to figure out how do we get the right mixture of technology and human beings? You know, I don't want to come to McDonald's now that everything is on a, you know, you, everything is on an app, you order, you never, there isn't a human being that you ever, that you ever face. So we've got to work, you know, through that too. So in answer to your original question, even though I know that was the long, 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 <laughs> we're doing fairly well in, in bringing people into the center. And I think a big part of that, as far as the industry, is how do we separate ourselves from all the other businesses? How do we make working for us is quite different than working in McDonald's or working at a retail place where you're selling something that ours is about. You'll come in and you're going to learn about leadership. You're going to learn about hospitality. You're going to learn about how to run a business, you know, because a lot of the people that come in to the club to go to work, a lot of them have dreams. Well, someday I want to have my own club. And, you know, I tell them, you want to learn how to run your own club, own your own club. You have to learn everything working in a club. You have to learn every aspect of the club. You got to give it everything you got to be the absolute best you can be so that someday you have your own business. You know how to run it because you have done it. 
And I said, what's better than going to college where you learn everything and you get paid while you're doing it? Because that's what you do when you come to work for us. You can learn how to run an entire business. Mm -hmm. Those are, that's a long, long answer to your first question. (laughs) No, no, that's great. So I think in summary, you know, if a club is having hiring and staffing challenges, your advice would be to like really evaluate every aspect of their business and decide like what is the most important thing, things for my staff to be doing and where can I maybe cut out some bloat? Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to be able to, to do that so that you can run. I mean, you continue mm-hmm. you, you to keep you know, operating as a company. And, and like I said, bring in technology any way you can. I mean, I tried it, I tried it and it didn't it work for a while. Then it just didn't work very well, which is even a simple thing like bringing in robots, you know, to do all the vacuuming in the club. And, um, and we had one and it worked for a while. Then they kept changing the technology. And then after a while, it's like, where's the robot? You know, it's supposed to yeah. be back here and then <laughs> somewhere behind a machine. So we knew that one didn't work, but I still, I still tell them, keep looking for technology for cleaning. You know, is there anything you can put in a shower that when somebody's not in it, it just cleans the thing and cleans the shower, right? Because I want to even look at um, things that we say we we have to do as a human being, only we have to do it now. I know there'll be the technology. I mean, I need something that could go through the women's locker room. I have no idea how women have hair anymore because it all <laughs> falls out. And um, it all goes on the locker room floor and we're constantly vacuuming it up. <laughs> how the heck can, you know, we tried to bring in like a Roomba and those kind of things to yeah. do it. But then they get all, <laughs> the hair strangles them. <laughs> so I, I got to come up with the mechanism for how we can do that. And just save problems, keep the place clean all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's one challenge, you know, that we That's get. funny. So. Yeah. Obviously, I think having a very strong culture and reputation in your immediate area definitely helps hiring challenges. You know, it's easier to attract people. And I know you guys obviously have a very strong reputation. Can you just tell us a few things that you feel maybe have attributed to that? Well, it's it's like, you know, this is our 45th year in business, right? Mm-hmm. And this woman says to me, she goes, did you ever think when you started that you'd still be here doing this 45 years later? I said, look, at my goal is just get through today and make it better. And um, so I, I, as far as how do you build a reputation? I think the most important thing is that people can trust you, that when you give them your word, you do it. There's no thinking about whether I should do that or not. It's not, I mean, I've told people a long time ago, I said, I, I learned that if I make a promise to you and later I realize it's not to my benefit to do what I told you I would do, I would still do it, all right? Because to me, there's nothing worse than not living up to your word. And as a company, if I say we're gonna do something or some of my staff says we're gonna do something, that's exactly what we do. If we make a promise to you, that's exactly what we're gonna do. So I think just like, look, as as a person, there's people you know you absolutely trust, right? You trust them. There's other people I don't know, you know, I'm not 100% sure because they've done some things. Same thing happens with a business, right? Um, I mean, if I'm not saying we never have issues, we do, but we don't just let the issues go. I mean, we're on the phone with the people, 
we're saying, look, it, you made a comment about such and such, you posted it online, we don't quite understand what happened. We want to get with you so we can figure it out. Because I know if we can figure it out, we can address it and solve it for you. And then all of a sudden you turn people who were just, they had this whatever negative thing about your company. And then all of a sudden they take that out and say, I just want to tell you about my experience with Gainesville Health and Fitness Center. How once they found out what my issue was, how they addressed it and took care of it. You express your opinion your first time online to tell the whole world about yeah. an issue when you could solve it, if you just contacted us, we can solve it for you. I think when you talk about building reputation, I don't think there's anything that beats living up to your word. And because let's face it, in anything, I mean, if you listen to Patrick Lencioni's five dysfunctions of the team, how's it start? Trust, you have to build trust. If you don't have trust, nothing else matters. If the community doesn't know that you are a trusting organization, then they don't know. But if you've done things over time, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how people remember things over time. You know, like I was in a Starbucks one day and um, this person, I didn't even know, says, you're at the health club, right? I said, yes, she goes, I think it was so great how during hurricane season, you told all the people in the community, if you've lost power, if you've lost this, you come to the health club, take a shower. And it's like, geez, wow, that was like eight years ago when that happened, <laughs> right? But they don't forget. I mean, they don't forget. So when you talk about how do you do it, you do it over time. You do it by doing the right things over time. Yeah. And, you know, Debbie's been great too when it comes to, like there'll be a major award at the Chamber of Commerce, major awards. And Debbie will do all the legwork, do everything, put, and then all of a sudden, you know, here, here we are like, competing against the utility companies, the hospitals, these major things. And we get named as the top large business in Gainesville. Yeah. When those kind of things happen, and then it gets circulated amongst the whole community, the first reaction, well, must be they're a good business, even if they don't know anything, you know, about us. So I'm not saying the awards don't help. They do help. I'm just not a big person of like, well, I look at it like the past is the past. It's like, you know, when we were in uh, Forbes magazine is one of the top 25 small businesses in America. I knew that the magazine was going to help. And I had all my, <laughs> my salespeople and I said, I just want you to know uh, next week, Forbes magazine is going to come out. They're going to name us one of the top small businesses in America. The only one in Florida. I said, my question to you all is, what does that mean? And one of the sales girls who've been with me a while, she goes, it means we got to get better. And the reason why she said it is I've always told her, I've told everybody that when we get a top, when we get to one of these awards, number one, it's in the past. Nobody cares about the past. It's about what you do in the future. I said, but when you get these awards, there's a lot of people who are going to want to come in and check you out to prove that it wasn't right. Expectations. Yeah, because what, what they want to do is a lot of people are not happy that somebody else could get something. So I want to go in and prove these guys were wrong about this business. So the reason why we have to get better so when they come in, we are better than what they said. Yeah. Once again, to me, that's how you build a reputation. You build it as a human being the same way. You build it as a business the same mm -hmm. way. 
Yeah. I think a lot of what you're talking about is the golden rule, treating people like you'd want to be treated um, and showcasing care. And I do feel like people nowadays do want their employers. They want to at least feel like their employers care about them. And so that could be a sh- maybe not in the fitness industry. I do feel like we have a lot of employers who care about their staff, but I think just looking at the overall trends in hiring, I think there's a lot of challenges out there because some companies just maybe don't care about their employees or have a hard time exhibiting it. Yeah, that's the the thing is, how do you do it? You know, I look or was reading about uh, words and what they mean as far as an organization. When you look at a business, you know, and they talk about a business is like they refer to it as breaking bread together. It's like bringing your team together like you're all at dinner and you're all talking. And so I looked at that and said, let's come up with all the different ways to take them to dinner. And so that's why we have lunches. That's why I have e- every month an Eagle dinner where there could be anywhere from 10 to 20 employees. Twice a year, we do a big one called the Rock All-Stars. But it's everybody getting together and food and talk and, and camaraderie because it's just like, why, why do you think your members keep coming back? The members keep coming back because they form friendships with the staff, with other people inside the organization, and they go back. It's just like our our roundtables, you know, and I've been part of Rex for a long time. But one of the main reasons why everybody goes is because we're all going to be there. Yeah. And we're all going to see each other. And so that's how that camaraderie, you know, builds up. And uh, when it builds up, it's something that you want to be part of. Same thing holds true, you know, inside our inside our companies with the staff and with the with the members too. That makes sense. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about your hiring process because you have a very infamous hiring process that's very detailed and intentional. Um, can you share a couple examples? And then maybe let's just start with like when a hire first walks through the door. What are your staff looking for? Well, let's let's go before that then because that's what's most critical is if you don't know who you are, how are you ever going to find people that fit who you are? Mm-hmm. All right. So, and, and this goes way back. This goes back to 1998 when I read an article from the Harvard Business Review. It was called Building Your Company's Vision. It was so interesting because I, I saw who the author was. I didn't pay any attention. But until I read the book, Good to Great, later, and I realized he's the one that wrote the article in 1998. <laughs> it talked about vision, mission, purpose culture, core values, the envisioned future. It talked about all these different elements and I'm reading through it and I'm going, I understand that. And I understand that. And I understand that. And I understand that. And when I finished the article, I said, I understand all of this. I wonder if the people in my company do. So I took eight of those people away. And that's when um, we started discussing all these issues. The biggest thing I learned that day was uh, I was not going to finish this in eight hours. It took us six months to finish of working on it all the time. And so uh, two big areas. I mean, we came up with a vision and a mission for the company, but then we started talking about what's the culture of our company? They go, well, how do you define the culture? I said, the culture is defined as the way we do things, just the way we do things. So I asked them, I said, look, I want you, we're at this house out in the country. I said, I want you to go to, everybody go to a different room. I said, I want you to write down all the words that you believe define the culture of our company. So when they came back, went around the table, one, 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 back around, back around. So if you had it, you crossed it off. You didn't say it again. When I was done, I had, I think it was 53 different things that they said, this is the culture of our company. I said, well, here's the challenge. We got to get it down to like eight to 10. That's why the first indication this wasn't going to take eight hours. Um, 
But over time, we worked and got it down to this is who we are. This is the culture of our company. Then I said, okay, now we're going to move to the core values of the company. And, and how do you define the core values of the company? Say, well, a culture over time can change as a company gets bigger. There could be new elements, different elements, but the core values of a company are those things that never change, no matter what. I said, give an example. Let's say we say core value of our company is quality. Then I pose the question, what if over time we figured out we can make this a lot cheaper and sell more of it and make more money? Would we do it? They go, well, sure. Say then quality ain't a core value. All right. Mm -hmm. Quality is, no, we're going to keep the highest quality. That's who we're going to be. So we went through them all. And I remember they came up with a 24 things, I think it was, that say the core value. I said, okay, we got to get down to like three or four. Mm -hmm. And this is why the conversations became so intense until we yeah. Once all those things were defined, then we said, let's set up our hiring procedure to find the people who fit those core values, who can fit, you know, into our culture. And so that's how all the questions were lined up. But it's even like, you know, teamwork, cleanliness, components of the culture of the company. So that's where simple things came, like putting some garbage by the door where everybody walked in. Does anybody yeah. grab it, pick it up and throw it out? You just learn. You just learn about how they normally just do things or the chairs, taking the chairs out and seeing if they take a chair out after they see you move them three times. If they get up to say, hey, can I help you? All right. So things like that, that we learned, but also, you know, like other things that I've learned, like, I, and this was something that I learned a long time ago and we all know, but I, it was kind of put right in my face is sometimes, you know, you can think somebody is a good person, somebody is a friend, whatever the case would be until the situation gets real difficult, then all of a sudden they're kind of not there anymore, all right? Mm -hmm. So I, I, and I'm gonna tell you, this is back in the early eighties. I said, how can I find out if you can do things, stick with things, be consistent with things, no matter how miserable it gets? So how can I make it miserable for you? So we take them through a high intensity workout. Mm -hmm. It's miserable. And we just tell them, this is what we expect from you all the way through. I don't even care if they can't make it through the workout, just so that they give us everything they got until they can't make it through the workout. That's a huge part of it because, boy, you see how many people we weed out saying, nah, they just don't have it. They yeah. just, they don't have it. So we look to find the people that do have it and who can be miserable, but not be complaining about it being miserable. But let Do me you let put me, everyone through that? Like even someone who's hiring for the front desk? Even the kids club. Okay. Everybody, everybody, everybody goes through it. I, you know, there was a short time and I said, wait a minute, are we not taking so? No. I said, get them through the workouts. So no, everybody, everybody goes through the workouts. You know, and it's amazing too, what you can learn. I remember uh, when Sean was working for me. Um, Sean Stewart. Yeah. There was one guy that every, oh, he's really good. He, cause he's going through the different, he's really good. He's really good. And Sean says, let me, uh, let me take him through the workout. So, and he was a bodybuilder, you could tell. And, and, um, so he gets him on the legs machine and the kid finishes and eight and, uh, Sean says, you know, I think you're still good for a few more. And the guy does like two more and stops. And Sean says, I think you're good for more. He does one more, he stops, he looks at Sean and says, F you, gets off and walks out the door. Well, you might as well learn that about a kid when things aren't good. 
Mm-hmm. As you're going to learn about it later. So I'd rather learn about it right from the start. Yeah. Did you go to Ursa? I didn't this year. I just was coming off maternity leave. Okay. So Rob O'Neill, you know who Rob O'Neill is? He was a guy, who, the SEAL, who killed uh, Bin Laden. Okay. He, he, was, he, was, he was talking about SEAL training. And he goes, yeah, he goes, we had this one exercise in the pool where 18 feet down in the pool, they tie a rope all the way across the pool. Then you're in the water and he, and your instructor, your drill instructor gives you rope this long. And he says, okay, go to the bottom and tie a square knot. So you go to the bottom and you tie a square knot. You come back up. He says, you get one gulp. He hands you another one, yells out a knot. He wants you you immediately go back down again and you do it. He goes, you got to do it five times. If you don't, you're immediately kicked out of seals. So he goes, one of his good buddies, he came up the fifth time and he got the rope and went down, but they could tell he was really struggling trying to tie it. And then, boom, he drowns, just drowns. They shoot down there, get him, shoot him back up on the deck, and they start doing CPR. And the instructor is doing the CPR on him because he couldn't get anybody else. And it took a minute and a half, and the water came out of the guy. And he gets his, he gets his air, and he, he said, first words of the instructor was, did I pass? He goes, yeah, you passed. It wasn't about the knots. It was yeah. about how much would you go through? Yeah. And so I'm not saying we're at that level. I'm not going to throw them in the pool and make them do that. <laughs> um, but it's the same concept. On a, yeah. On a, it's a powerful story. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> well, and I think it's significant, too, because I think as we saw during COVID, which was an extreme crisis in the fitness industry, I think a lot of people did see whom, whom amongst their team had the grit and stick-to-itiveness to, to go through that. Absolutely. Uh, that that kind of blew me away, but probably specifically in the personal training area, more than any area inside the club. Because, I mean, I've always said I have a great staff. And while we were closed, and we were just closed for like two months, there were 40, 50 people in here, every our staff working every day. We were doing all things that would have taken us a year if the members were in here. Yeah. This done, this done, this done, this done. So we all worked together, you know, to do it. And the funny thing is, we all sat together, ate together, and nobody got COVID. But anyway, that's the second. <laughs> it's a side issue. Um, but um, no, that it was great and eye-opening, you know, at the same time. Yeah, awesome. Well, we, you've, we've covered a lot of great ground. Is there anything else that you'd like to share on hiring, staffing, any other final piece of advice? Uh, well, one of the one of the issues that we're addressing right now. It does seem like something we've never had before, and it seems to be with the Gen Z generation, the silent quitting stuff, who they just yeah. don't show up for work. And we've had we've experienced some of that. I said, yeah, I don't, I don't under, I don't understand that. If you have a responsibility, if you want to leave, at least you would say, I'm going to leave. But I, you know, two weeks, whatever. It's like that's like gone to a lot to a lot of people. I said, but here's the deal: we need to figure out how to better address questioning of a Gen Zer mm-hmm. in the interview process. How do we dig a little deeper? So we're going through that process right now. I mean, like a lot of people, we're using chat GPT so that we can start saying, what are those best questions? Matter of fact, I'm bringing in an expert and talk with 12 people on my team about how to better utilize it. 
and learn from it. But we're going through all the all the questions to make sure we're addressing the right questions right from the start. Also, I asked him, I said to the hiring team, are we using the adversity quotient any longer? The adversity quotient, if you remember, if you ever read the book, but there's a test that you go through that addresses how a person handles adversity. There's a whole scoring system on it. Mm -hmm. And I said, I wanna get back and I wanna make sure the adversity quotient becomes part of the hiring process and determining how much adversity you can handle. Yeah. And if it's like real low, you're not going to be the right person, you know, for our, for our team. So uh, I said, because so the first thing we need to do is we need to get with all the Gen Zers on our staff who have grit, who are, who've been with us, who are the type of people we want on our team. I said, the first thing is you have all of them fill out the adversity quotient. So we see what the standard is for our company. Mm -hmm. So now when we, people do it, we'll see if they measure up to the standard that we have for the people who we know exemplify the ability to handle you know, adversity. So that's that. those are two of the things that we're going through right now. Blows me away when somebody who you thought was a good person just, oh, I, I can't come in. Or a simple thing like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be gone for the summer. Oh, really? <laughs> this months ago, we asked about all these things. Why didn't you tell us then? Mm -hmm. But it's just like, it's just a normal, it's just kind of a normal thing. <laughs> yeah. So now, I like that you're digging into it, though, and really trying to come up with like solutions and strategies for identifying, you know, who amongst certain generations are a good fit for your culture. Because I mean, as an industry, we're going to keep hiring Gen Z. And so I think a lot of people kind of just have thrown up their hands and they're like, ah, like this generation just kind of sucks. But you can't just have that attitude. Because it doesn't suck. Some people suck, but some people suck in every generation. Yeah. Oh, you know, so I, I, it doesn't matter. I, I'm going to find the ones that don't suck. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we just have to keep working on the process to make sure that we do something, we change it, see if it makes a difference. And then exactly. just it, see if it makes a difference. Because I know there's, look, at I can take care of the physical plan. I can plan the next expansion all the elements that we'll be bringing into the center. I can do all those things. But as I told them, it ain't going to work if we don't have the right people. Mm -hmm. It's not going to work. So we have to keep the place clean. We have to keep the equipment maintained. We have to have great people that face these people every day. Yeah. Great advice. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, Joe. You're always a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Uh, I will see you in May at the Leadership Summit, Joe, and I really look forward to it. Me too. You take care, Rachel. You too. Bye, Joe. And that wraps up this episode of the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Thank you for listening. And if there are future topics you'd like me to cover in upcoming episodes, please let me know at rachel at clubsolutionsmagazine.com.